0: You are listening to Church 101, a sermon series by Pastor Bay Allen. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to be with you today as we uh, gather here in the second week of our series uh, called Church 101, where we are taking a look at what the church is, uh, what the church was originally called to be. Uh, Maybe for some of us, this series should be a reboot For others, it may be just a re-root where we we kind of find for the first time something that we should have done. Uh, I pray that the Lord will speak to you through this series, um, not necessarily in the same way that he speaks to everyone else. uh, Because in my opinion, in my interpretation of the scriptures, as we looked last week, we are one body as sharers in the one hope that we have in Christ. And so to be sharers in that one hope, in the one body, it indicates we have different gifts that are added to that. So I, I would not be at all surprised if the Lord speaks to you differently through this time of encountering God in Scripture. Uh, I encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles if you have them, an applicable app on your smartphones, or even on the screen for a portion of today's scripture. Um, But today, our scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke in the third chapter, verses 15 through 17, and our focal point today is going to be what's on the screen, uh, verses 21 through 22. But here, verses 15 through 17, just to get a little bit of a backstory. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John the Baptist, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Ever try to give a dog a bath? I, I just experienced this not too long ago. A dog a bath that really doesn't like getting a bath. You've been there? Uh, you know how you, you put them in the tub. At first, they, they look cute, but they smell horrible. And you put them in the tub, right? And uh, and then they if they don't like a bath, they'll start to shiver. And they get all tense. And you got to, like, move them. It's like you really got to get in there. Um, and you can tell. They're like, they don't want to just jump right in the bathtub. You know, it's not... It's not like when you're at the park and you throw the ball and they go running right into the lake. I don't know what's up when you take a dog to the bathtub. It's a totally different story. It's like it's it's still water, right? You ever experienced that? It's kind of like, yes, and it's not just water at that point. Even before you put soap in, it's like you coated them in Vaseline. You can't get a good grip on them. They're constantly trying to get away from you. And and their their legs are slipping and sliding in the tub. And you're just like, you kind of feel bad for them. But at the same time, you're like, just sit. Sit. It'll be over soon. Sit. (laughs) And and they don't always like to just get a bath. Any of you not like to get a bath? Like, you just wait until someone says, dude, you need a bath. Any any of you get there, you know? I've been there, you know? I've had friends, especially in college, they were like, dude, you need a bath. And I'm like, all right, I'm on it. We do this sometimes. We don't just jump right into the bathtub. Um, But today we're looking at the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ and I got to tell you, as, as a church, I feel that God is saying, get into the bath already. You know what I mean? Get into the bath already. It's no different than playing in the water. Why don't you just get in the bath and come clean? Right? Because what do we see in baptism? This series is allowing us a scope or a, how, how we kind of listened in on God as we did during the children's message. It allows us to listen in to what God is telling us as the church. And some of us have questions surrounding many of the things that we do in the church. Let's face it. Why do we have a certain color or not a certain color? Uh, why, why do we have uh, this, this water and baptism? Why do we have uh, the manger nativity scene decorated when Christmas isn't like another 360 days away, right? Why do we, why do, we do these things? We do them for reasons. Not the nativity. That was a bad example. But why do we do what we do as the church? This is important for us to know. Otherwise, we're floundering. We have no idea. And so today is a perfect opportunity for us to look at the sacrament of baptism. Something about water being poor. It works in mysterious ways. I wouldn't blame you if you ran to the bathroom now. But water in baptism has always been, it is one of the most ancient things. We are told at the dawn of creation that God hovered over the deep. It gives us this mindset of deep what? Was it deep water? Was water already there? or, Or was it something that was created? It says that he separated the oceans and I don't know says He created the heavens and the earth. Was the water already there? Was He playing with water long before we ever saw creation? Water has always been. It is one of the most ancient symbols for uh, life. Water is a symbol for life. And Jesus, He began His ministry with baptism. There's Jesus getting baptized. Now, what you don't see in this picture that we saw in our scripture today. Do you know what's missing from that picture? Anyone? What? All the other people. Where did they all go to? I mean, instead of come from? Yeah, all the other people. Because baptism is not something that is just done in, in singular. It's not just a one-on-one. I'm going to baptize you, Tracy. And this is just me, you, and God here. No, it goes beyond that. It enters into the church. This is church 101. Otherwise, we wouldn't have to talk about baptism if it didn't impact the church. Right? A baptism is for the entire church. And that is capital C. <laughs> because some people say, well, what is that? This is church 101. I have no, t- no problem saying. Little C is where you're saying like our church, like just us, we can be a little C. However, Christ's holy church on this planet that we call earth is a capital C. That means all of our brothers and sisters around the globe, even those who have a slightly different uh, naming for God, denomination, naming of God. So our Lutheran brothers and sisters, you know, um, our Baptist brothers and sisters who believe in the same Christ that we do, but just have a slightly different uh, theology behind it. That's the big C. okay? And so baptism impacts the big C. It impacts the church. And we see that Jesus, surrounded by all these other people, following this moment. If we read on, which we did not do today, but verse 23 says Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his work. He was the son, as was thought, of Joseph. And it goes through his lineage, just like you have at the very beginning of the New Testament. But we see that following this baptism of Jesus, he begins his work at the age of 30. Some people feel old at 30. I think that 40 is the new 30 because I just turned 40. But the point here is Jesus began his work at the age of 30. It's not too late for anyone is what I'm saying here. It's never too late because in the Methodist church, uh, which we'll get into, we even baptize babies. And so if they're needing to wait until they're 30 to start their work. But we want to note that Jesus' ministry started with his baptism. And so for many believers in Christ, their baptism signals that initiation into the big C church where their work begins. The second thing I want to really talk about, uh, which we're still talking about, is that it is done in community. Baptisms are always done in the presence of others. Why? Why? Because it's about community. Baptism in and of itself is a witness of what God is doing. Who can we witness to if there are none around, right? We want to witness to what God is doing, to give testimony to the great things God is doing in our life. It's not just about the one being baptized, but that what they are being baptized into, who they are being baptized into, the family they are being baptized into. You're my child in whom I'm well pleased, right? They are part of the family. Right? They're being entered into this big C family. And in the Methodist church, like I said, we, uh, we baptize children, but we also we see three major uh, forms of baptism. One is immersion. You know what immersion means? It's where you go under, right? Which is most likely that picture that we saw a moment ago. What happened to Jesus? I doubt he was in the middle of the Jordan and John just went, you know, I mean, you got all that water. You might as well use it, Right. So immersion is one way. Pouring is another. Oftentimes this was done with a seashell where they would pour it. And then um, the other one is sprinkling. Sprinkling's another one. Sometimes the sprinkle is almost more of like what my first pour was. <laughs> uh, but those are the three ways that baptism takes place physically. Okay? But there's so much that isn't physical that's taking place in baptism. This is Church 101. So, I mean, some of you may be like, "We know all this about baptism; it's all good." But who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's a reboot for some of you. So, let's bear with it together because we are community and we are family. Water is often uh, the you know the first sign of new life. You know when uh, uh, have have there ever been anyone in here who was either born or gave birth to someone? Yeah. No hands. What? You're all Adam and Eve. I'm just wait. Eve came first. Um, but anyway, you know, the first sign of life. What is it? Oh, honey, my water broke. Right. There's water involved in life. Right. There is water involved in this rebirth in Christ. And when Christ uh, was was down in the water and he arose, like as when we do immersive baptism, That's the best way to actually explain the whole Christ story, because, you know, we proclaim the mystery of our faith around the Lord's table like we did last week. Right. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And then Christ ascended. So Christ will come again. That's the mystery of our faith. It involves baptism. The baptism in itself, the immersive process is symbolic of Christ going into the tomb. And then when you rise, it is coming out and being set apart for the father. And then he ascended to heaven and will return. So that the mystery of our faith is proclaimed through the sacrament of baptism. It's all there if you look. And in baptism, uh, you you are immersed, poured or sprinkled three times, right? In the name of the father, the son, the Holy Spirit, or in some settings, creator, redeemer, sustainer. However you look at it, it is the Trinity. We'll get into that into another Church 101 about the Trinity. Three. Three days, you know, in the grave, you know. There's a lot in the sacrament of baptism that is teaching us and reminding us of who we are in Christ. The other thing I want to point out is the baptism is done once. One baptism. Uh, we celebrate one baptism where the Lord's Supper is a sacrament that we can celebrate over and over and over again. Baptism is only done once. Oftentimes in Methodism it is done, like I said, when they are very young, babies are baptism baptized. And our founder, John Wesley, was constantly defending uh, the baptism of babies. Because not many people baptize babies. And today, Methodists still take a lot of flack because, oh, you're the baby baptizer. Right? The reason behind this, and just uh, to allow John Wesley's theology to come into play, since we are United Methodists, the reason we baptize baby is because just as in communion, we celebrate an open table. That table which is not ours, but God's. In baptism, we celebrate a grace a life, a water, if you will, a cleansing, if you will, that is not ours. It is the grace of God. And last year we did a series on the graces of God. There was provenient grace, some of you remember. There was provenient, there was justifying, there was sanctifying. Provenient is that grace which comes before us. Justifying grace is that which is done for us. Sanctifying is what is done in us. And then there's the last one, which was always the, the other thing that John Wesley was constantly defending, which was on to perfection, perfecting grace. Okay. So those are the graces. We baptize babies in the United Methodist Church because we believe in provenient grace. We believe that God is at work mysteriously before we can ever acknowledge it, even as a baby. And we believe that there is this setting apart even before we can realize it. Oftentimes it is done through God working through the church. Someone saying, I will sponsor this child. I will make sure that they grow up in Christian teaching and uh, follow after Christ. So that after youth confirmation class, they can be an active member in the church. They've already been baptized for those who are not baptized at youth confirmation. They will be baptized. And also. Traditionally in the church, you can do more research on this, too. Just I got to pack as much as I can into this one quick sermon to tell you about baptism and why we do what we do in the church. You can do more studies on this. It traditionally happened on Easter was the time for baptism. It was that one time a year where they would come out and it was like midnight. I mean, it was like it was purposely set apart. It wasn't convenient. It wasn't. Oh, I can do that next Tuesday. It was this is the time. Become a part of something bigger than yourself. Set aside your own timeline and become a part of what God is calling you into in your ministry as you begin it after this baptism. So that's a little bit about baptism. Um, Just a couple more minutes. Baptism is not a social thing. I want you to make sure you know this. Uh, I say this to clarify because I said it's a communal thing, but it's not just a social thing. Uh, Some people think that, oh, baptizing my child will set them up for um, you know, recognition in this way. Maybe they'll have to be a better candidate for president one day. Baptism isn't some magic anecdote for the way that we do life on earth. It's a, it, it's a miraculous grace for the way that we do life eternally. Okay. Any other reason? It's a moot point. It's like, why do it? Now, it's still a baptism, and we still believe in prevenient grace. That even through a negative situation, say a parent wants to baptize a child for the wrong reason making commitments that are never kept, we still believe in the provenient grace of God at work in that child and in that life. This is important stuff for us to know because it comes up in conversation. Have any of you ever been asked about baptizing babies as a Methodist? If not, you're a rare bunch. You're a rare bunch. It comes up all the time. And in baptism, we see the Holy Spirit coming down in bodily form like a dove. We hear the voice of God like our cup is up to the heavens. The Holy Spirit comes upon us in baptism in a miraculous way. It may not be a bodily form of a dove. But God leaves a watermark of grace on your life that never leaves you. That always leads you forward. God surrounds you with just this reverberated You are my child in whom I am well pleased. Even at the moments where we feel the darkest, we may look down and see that little watermark. Know that we are loved. This is what baptism is. This is who we are in the life of the church as baptized children of God. How many kids want to get in the bathtub? My kid doesn't. This is my closing closing thought. How many kids want to jump in the pool? Everyone wants to go swimming. Not Olympic swimming, breaststroke, backstroke, uh, uh, butterfly. No, I'm talking swimming. Everyone wants to play. I feel in the church, God is saying, get into the bathtub already. Get into the bathtub already. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we are so thankful for the way that you extend this grace to us. Oftentimes before we're old enough to recognize... We are so thankful for the way that you place a watermark of grace upon us, where whenever we're feeling down or like we don't belong, we can, we can see we do belong, that you love us. May that love that we experience and that we remember, may it, may it push us forward, deeper into that love, into the deep waters of your love, not just at the shoreline. I pray that you work mightily in your church to bring about the mighty things of heaven so that your kingdom may be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is our prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the ministry that you are calling us to. Amen.